0: I really like some of the chorus of that song. All of our hope, all of our future, everything is in the God who never fails. Aren't you thankful that we have a God who has promised to be with us, a God who has led us this far, um, and a God who has promised to lead us all the way home. I, I, I don't know if that's just like, oh yeah, okay. I, I, I'm excited about that because I've come to realize more and more my dependency and my need of God. Um, This is a season, I think, where when we go into the new year, we often do those reflections, right? Does anybody kind of do the year back and look at the year to pass? Um, In fact, a week ago, maybe you saw all the news things. and It's always like the year in review in sports or the year in review. And we kind of rehearse those things. And we start looking towards that new year and thinking, what is to come? What is next? Many of you have faced some struggles this past year and faced things that are burdens. Many of you are making changes and decisions, moving or moving churches or other things. There are things going on in your life that you're thinking, where are we going? I need songs like that that just remind me all of my hope is in you, Lord. All of my faith, all of my trust is in you because you're the God who never fails. You're the God who has led me this far and you're the God who's gonna take me home Back in the Old Testament, uh, the prophet Samuel, they set up what they called a stone of help, an ebenezer in Hebrew, a stone of help. God, you've led us this far, and God, you're going to lead us on. We have the promise in the cross that God has brought us salvation. We have the promise in the resurrection of Jesus that God has given us eternal home. I think we just have problems sometimes trusting in the in-between. Trusting in the in-between. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about some instructions from Jesus about the in-between time, about how God leads us as a church, about how God leads us as individuals, and how, well, we've got our responsibilities, but we can trust God to take care of his. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to speak to us from his word today. Father, thank you so much uh, for your truth, for your word. We have that firm foundation uh, that is on in your word because you have made your promises and you never fail, Lord. You never quit. You never um, make a mistake. All of those words we just sung are true because, God, you are true. Would you come and speak speak to us from your word, through your truth, that those truths might take root in our lives and bear great fruit? We ask this knowing it's your will and knowing that you hear us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you may be one who um, makes plans. Anybody a planner? I, I kind of try to be. I, 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 I fail. I think I am. I want to be, um, but I'm just not sure that I'm always that good of a planner. Um, we just made that trip, you know, to Texas, and uh, it used to be that when we would plan this trip to Texas, when we we're going to drive all the way out there, we'd plan our stops and where are they going to, you know, be, and how many hours to drive. Make sure there's a good gas station with a good bathroom. Make sure there's a hotel uh, at that. You know, we would. Now we just kind of wing it. We've done it so many years, it's just like, eh, there's plenty of them. My wife's got an app now. It just tells us where the gas stations are. Can you imagine if the football teams this weekend went in that way? Anybody watching the games? I mean, all, all the commentators, well, they've got a plan. They've got a, They're executing their thing. I, I, sometimes we want our lives to be that way, right? If I could just execute my plan, we're going to get our establish our run game. We're going to do this. We, we want these plans, and we want it to work out, and we want to know how it's going to work out. We're starting a new series today, and we're starting new Bible studies today, so this is a great time to be here at Valley, Um, and as we do, we're going to be talking about uh, some lessons from Jesus, um, some parables where he tells us how to approach, I think, things like decision-making and things like these new times in life. So let's look this morning. Um, We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4. We're going to be looking at sowing seeds in the new year, and a parable that Jesus tells. So let's check out this first parable, sowing seeds in the new year, Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 26. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over there to Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 26. You can also look in the words will be on the screen. It says this, He also told, said, Jesus, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or he gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, First the stock, then the head, then the full kernel, in, full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Verse 30. Again, he said, what shall we compare the kingdom of God to? What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? Verse 31. It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of the seeds on earth, yet When it is planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants with such big branches that even birds can perch in its shade. And with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. Well, this morning, um, we're gonna look at these two parables and what I think God wants to teach us. Um, I think it's some interesting stuff. Now, Mark chapter four, it's interesting to me that this little parable of what's sometimes called the seed growing secretly. It seems like almost this parable of, well, the firm grasp of the obvious. You know, The farmer sows the seed and it, night and day, whether he's sleeping or awake, the seed grows and then at harvest time he harvests. I think if I had been sitting there, I would have been, is there, is there a point to this one, Jesus? I, I mean, you know, you know seeds grow, that, that's what they do. Also, the sun comes up in the morning, that's what it does. Is there something special? It's interesting that this parable, that parable, the seed that's growing secretly or the seed growing all by itself, that parable is actually in the gospel of Mark only. If you've spent much time reading the New Testament, if you've read the four Gospels, Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which explain the life and the teachings of Jesus and, and recount to those for us, you'll notice that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are actually very, very similar. They're called the synoptic Gospels, uh, which just means seeing together. And so. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a lot of correspondence. In fact, Luke, in the very first chapter of the Gospel of Luke, says he investigated all things because he was not an eyewitness and probably borrowed from Matthew and Mark. Well, there's some Bible scholars that actually think Luke came first, but that's pretty uncommon. So these Gospels definitely share a lot in common. And the Gospel of Mark is actually the shortest of all the Gospels, and it mostly deals with the action scenes. What Jesus did, you know, healing the sick, raising the dead, um, some of those kinds of things, and it has less teaching than the other two. So it's very interesting that here in the Gospel of Mark, this is the one parable that, that Mark has uniquely, that the other two don't include. I wonder if Luke or Matthew thought, oh yeah, that one's not that important, or that's not, not really that significant but it's in God's word for a reason. And it is inspired uh, and put there by Mark for a reason. God was wanting us to learn something. And I think God is wanting to teach us something actually very important in this parable. In fact, it's one of the ones that through my life in the last couple decades, just keeps popping into my head. I don't know, you know, Holy Spirit, just bad memory. I don't know, whatever it is. It's the one that keeps coming into my mind. I think there's some things that Jesus wants us to know about planning and preparing and what's our responsibility and what we need to learn to trust God with as his responsibility here's the first thing I think that God wants us to know from that parable is that we are supposed to be people who so broadly so broadly what does it say in Mark chapter 4 did you see it in verse in verse 26 and this is what he said the kingdom of God is like. It's a man who scatters, literally the word is throws. It's literally throw. He throws the seed out. He throws the seed out. Now. Those of you guys that maybe are gardeners or whatever, I don't know if you sow that way, but usually what we do, right, is you take a seed and you plant it in the little thing and you've made your mulch and, you've got, and you line them up and you space them out because it's got to be the right distance. Um, I think I put my bushes too close together and they'll only grow so big. If you spread them out, they'll be bigger or something. It's, it's all this. I read it online. I don't know. Ask Dick. He's gonna, he'll explain it to you. But there's things you do where you sow the seed and you're pretty specific about what you're going to do. In biblical times, you just kind of did as much as you can, got your oxen or whatever, and you dug up the dirt, and you just put the seed everywhere. You literally would just throw it. And Jesus actually told parables about seed that would fall in good places. Some of it would fall in bad places. Because you're literally just scattering the seed. I actually think there's a spiritual truth and a spiritual principle for that. We as people really shouldn't just lock in like, this is my plan. This is the way it's going to go. I'm going to have this career. I'm going to get married at age 27. I'm going to, anybody do this? Did some of us who are a little farther down the road, did all of your plans kind of work out the way you thought? Yeah, they don't, do they? Somehow, God puts things on your heart that might not work out how you exactly thought they would, but in the end, they were exactly what God was calling you to do. You don't know why. You didn't know how it all would fit together, and somehow the pieces come together in just the right way. I don't know why I ended up saying, hey, you know what, I think I'm gonna be an English major. I was already fluent. I mean, that just seems like wasting money, right? I mean, that was a dumb thing. It turned out that allowed me to do a philosophy degree later. Syracuse just gave me the classes, thought it was interesting. I'll just take some classes, which is now helping me pay for the college ministry and some of the other things I do by teaching philosophy. I had no How did those things fit together? Thank you, God, that you had a plan. Thank you, God, that you had a way. We're supposed to sow broadly. Hey, look, this is something that we actually get in. Anybody go to your financial advisor for the new year? What do they tell you to do? diversify, right? Don't put all of your money. I, I was just talking to my brother-in-law as a financial planner and he was like saying, yeah, one of his clients, everything's an Apple. Apple stock, not Apple seeds, but like, you know, the computer guys <clears throat> went into Apple stock and he's done really well. He said, but he keeps putting all of his money into more Apple stock and more Apple stock. And it's like eventually Apple's going to peak out and it's just, you can only control so much of the market share. Eventually it's not going to grow. He says he needs to diversify. He needs to diversify. Did you know that Our financial planner guys were not the people that came up with that. It actually says that in the scripture. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Look at this. Chapter 11 verse 1. Ship your grain across the sea and after many days you might receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You don't know what disaster may come upon the land. Diversify. <laughs> put some in stocks and bonds. Put some, okay, I'm not really a financial planner. Do not take this as uh, advice or anything like that. I mean, but apparently, I keep hearing, you're supposed to put it in different areas. Do you realize that that is true spiritually as well? That is true spiritually as well. For your own personal growth. Does anybody have your routine? Maybe you get up, you have your coffee, you read your one psalm, and maybe you read one other passage, and, and you kind of do your devotion thing. Every so often, you need to change it up. You need to add a devotional book. You need to read a different part of Scripture than you've done before. You need to add a prayer time at a different time of the day. You need to listen to like a book on tape or something uh, when you're driving to work. You need to do some different things to seek the Lord because if all we do is the same thing, sometimes we miss something else that God wants to do in us. Through us, try a new ministry, try something else. Go to prayer time on Friday. Oh, what Sunday nights at 6 p.m.? Yeah, come to prayer Sunday nights at 6 p.m. God is wanting to do something in your life. I don't know what it is, but I think we're supposed to diversify, I think we're supposed to spread out. Now, I especially think this is true for us. This is one of those messages that I'm going to go ahead and just let you know. This is kind of year in review, but in some ways, it's two years in review. Those of you who have been part of this church for a long time know that two years ago, actually two and a half years ago, we voted to stay at church. And <clears throat> two years ago, not to disband, not to sell the building, but to stay at church. Two years ago, we embarked on a journey together. As a revitalization pastor, we said, we're going to dig around this tree one more time. We're going to give this three years to see if God wants to do something here. We're going to ask the Lord to do something new uh, that we believe that there is more to come. But God, this is up to you. We'll do our part, but it's up to God to do his part. And we begin to pray and seek and ask God to move in this place. Anybody glad they stayed? Anybody think that they've seen God move in the last little bit? Anybody think? Go ahead and flip to the next slide. I, I, I just want to review for us some broad sewing moments. Um, one of those broad sewing moments was literally at my house, uh, sitting around a table. You see some of you all were there and uh, David was there and uh, Sarah and Alex and Rachel. We were there and kind of saying, hey, we hear that some of the older adults get together every week and pray and play games. What if we did something for young adults? Most of the congregation at that time was a little bit, we were a little bit more advanced in our years, but um, not very many young people. But we said, what if we began to just do something? And out of that, Friday nights was born. Started as a game night. Started as playing things around my table. Then let's play some volleyball. All of a sudden, I don't know how many were here on Friday night, 25, 30, guests, visitors. We have more and more young adults coming, more and more adults, young adults, forming fellowships being in each other's lives, praying. That was just something that was birthed out of a few people sitting around a table. It was one thing we tried. And there was a group that said, well, let's do something else. Friday nights is working. Why don't we try pickleball, right? You've heard these stories a few times. They've come around. But we also saw things like Barry saying, we gotta restart that house and ministry. How are we gonna do it? And one scene I remember, just after COVID, We're all standing in the middle of a field at Towson University. It's just me and Barry and a sign. And there he is. Notice there's no students around. Notice this wasn't a group effort. This was me and Barry and a table and a sign saying, anybody want to come to Bible study? Can I just tell you, not many people came by that night. Not many people signed up that night. Was this a door that was closing? barry saw a man walking across the campus walking across the field with this towson shirt obviously he was an official administrator and it said man to man Well, barry, barry, pastor barry's very into uh, mentorship and he was like i'm going to go meet that guy i just think i should i don't know what he does but i'm going to go find out what he does and Barry walked across and just introduced himself. And apparently, man-to-man is an African-American, a mentorship for African-American young men, and they needed mentors. Anybody think Barry fits the bill? <laughs> I mean, and he's like, you want to do what? And was it a God moment? Absolutely. Because the leaders who's helped restart that ministry came from people that Barry got to work with and mentor. He met some Christian young men in that group, and they wanted to help us restart the ministry. Sow the seed in different places. Well, yeah, we did the sign. Yeah, we did campus ministry the way we've always done it, but Barry found another way to go do it. Does that make sense? Sow some seeds in different places. Try some different things. We've got 80 children coming weekly, all week long in our preschool downstairs. This summer we did a vacation Bible school for them. We sent them New Year's cards this year that you guys just wrote a few weeks ago. We're gonna continue to reach out because We haven't seen a lot of families coming yet. But don't you believe they will? Let's continue to pray. Let's continue to believe that God is bringing and doing his work as we're faithful to do ours. First thing this year, where is God calling you to sow? Where is he calling you to to broadly plant your life, your energies? Where is God calling you to say, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I want to be part of this adventure. Maybe it's right here. Maybe it's on a mission field somewhere else. That's not the important thing for me. But the important thing is that you say, yes, Lord. Let's plant and sow broadly as we expect what God, as we see what God will do. Number two lesson that I think we've got to learn, and that I feel like I've been learning over these last two years. <clears throat> it's the harder lesson for me. I, I, I'm a broad sewing person. You guys have figured that out? Yeah, okay. But here's the harder lesson for me. Wait patiently. Wait patiently. Look what Jesus said in verse 27. Night and day, whether he sleeps or he gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know, know how. Night and day. Night and day. Night and day. But it's not overnight. It's not instantaneously. It's not all of a sudden. It's night and day. Jesus said it that way for a reason. He didn't just say, and later, you know, or all of a sudden. Night and day. The sleeping, the getting up. The eating breakfast, the working out, the praying, the having Bible study, the sharing my faith, the being faithful, the night and the day, the night and the day. We are called as God's followers to be faithful. We are called to wait patiently on the Lord. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, Anybody remember conversations we've had over the last couple of years? Well, when are people going to start joining? Well, when are the new people going to start coming? Well, when is this? Well, I don't know if anybody's actually going to. We've had those. I've had those. I've had those thoughts. You've had those thoughts. But we've seen it happen, right? Not all of a sudden, not instantaneously, but there's been growth. We've been seeing fruit. We've been seeing opportunities. Even on things like Friday night, I keep thinking, gosh, we got a lot of people coming. When are they going to get to hear more about Jesus? When are we going to see more people actually come to know the Lord? When are we going to have that open doors for conversations? We've had some, but God, when are you going to like break through and see like revival happen? I don't know if it's going to happen that way, but I sure hope it does. And I do long to see people start coming to know Jesus. But until then, night and day, Night and day. We need to be faithful in waiting patiently because here's what the promise is. Look at what Jesus says in verse 28. All by itself, the soil does produce the grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle. God, God's the the, the metaphor there. He does it because the harvest has come. So for us, we're supposed to sow the seed. God's going to cause the growth. And then we have the job of reaping the harvest. So in the meantime, In the meantime, we have got a job to do. Not just to scatter broadly, but we have another job to do. Wait patiently and wait faithfully. Wait faithfully. In John chapter 15, it's one of my most important life verses, but Jesus says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. God will bear fruit. It will happen in your life. His promise, as long as we do our part, we have to abide. We must stay connected to the vine. We can't just disconnect, do our own things, go our own way, and expect to be there. fruitfulness in ministry, fruitfulness in our life, fruitfulness in character development, fruitfulness in all things. No, it doesn't work that way. The God who disciplines us, the God who guides us, the God who calls us to Christ-likeness, the God who has more to come and more in store, cannot let you just go your own way and achieve, and you achieve what He really calls you to be. Can the coach let the players just have a good time? Hey, we're just going to like scramble football today. Yeah. Hey, it'll just be fun scrimmage day again. Hey, he's got to get them doing their drills or they're not going to be ready to play. He's got to have them running through the the exercise or they're not going to be ready to play. They've got to put the time in the weight room. They've got to put the time. It's obvious. Night and day, faithfulness is what we're called to. Abiding in Christ is where we belong and trust God to bear the fruit. What is that saying to you this next year? What do you need to change to abide? Is it a sin that needs to be cut out? Is it new disciplines and practices that need to be brought in? What have you got to do to say, I'm going to be connected to Jesus this year. I'm gonna stay close to Jesus this year. I'm gonna walk close with God this year. I'm gonna be in his presence daily because apart from him, I can do nothing. What needs to happen in your life? in Jesus so that you would see the fruit. We've been waiting patiently. We waited patiently in this next slide. We waited patiently uh, in Christmas time, right? And you saw we finally got the Christmas together. It came together and we enjoyed it. It's a long time till Christmas. I've already bought a free gifts. I like Christmas. I found some on sale afterwards. I have to hold them for a year. I already gave one away. Uh, It's hard to do we're called to be patient. We have started our youth group again on Friday nights, right? Um, that's been fun. It's only four guys, sometimes six. Is that a youth group or is that like a, I don't know what it is. It's a small group. I'm waiting for the day when there's 15 or 20 kids. I'm looking forward to it. We've got a, a few children that come. I'm looking for the day when it's full. We've had a sanctuary that, that's felt fairly empty at times. When we had our Christmas thing, that that picture is just from December, by the way, with all the people. I'm looking for that day. They came for the Christmas program for all our preschool children. Those were parents and grandparents. The place was packed. I'm looking forward to the day when we're having to run two services because it's overflowing. Wait patiently. Wait patiently. Finally, this morning, I think the scripture says this, we need to reap expectantly. We know that it's coming. We've got to trust in God's promises. Look at this second parable in verse 30. It says, And again, Jesus said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Okay. For those of you guys that are the skeptics, I always have them. Um, Sometimes it's me. I got to ask all the questions. Is the mustard seed really the smallest seed on the whole earth? It's actually not. It's not. Was Jesus wrong about this? No, Jesus knows what's the. I mean, he all things were made by him and for him. He knows about the mustard seed. But this was pretty common. It was a common comparison to make, right, in the times. So people would say, oh, yeah, that, that, dude, that's as small as a mustard seed, right? So, so Jesus could throw out there, it's as small. And it did get kind of hardy. It's not like it was a giant tree. But, you know, it did get fairly good, and birds could land in it. So it was big enough. People have sometimes thought that this parable was bad because sometimes birds were seen as sort of an omen of evil or even in the parable seen as something that was negative. But here this is not. Here this is just Jesus trying to make a comparison, something that starts very, very small, that seems so insignificant, that you can't imagine what it could ever become. But we know that the small apple seed, we know that the small mustard seed, we know the small any seed becomes something big and becomes something useful. That's something that God has illustrated over and over again. Just with us and our children, but with businesses that have grown or nations that have arisen. But more importantly, about the kingdom of God. Consider this parable being told with a few of Jesus' followers, a few committed people to the kingdom. And yet, look where we are today, where the kingdom of God literally is across the globe. Where there are billions of people who are worshiping Jesus, even this morning, even today as it goes through in the time when uh, Zechariah was around the prophet and they were rebuilding the temple that had been destroyed by the Babylonians um, as they laid the new foundation, as they started putting up the walls, as they started putting this temple together realized that some of the people who were there at the rebuilding of the temple 70 years early had seen the previous temple some of them had heard about the temple This temple that was built by all the wealth of David, all the wealth of King Solomon, at the height of Israel as a nation, when they were the richest of the nations in their area, where they were powerful and influential, and David first and then King Solomon leveraged all of their wealth and resources to build this magnificent temple. Okay, that was temple number one. During Zechariah, when they were rebuilding it, it was a few exiles who had returned. And they were building this temple basically with some leftover government funds. The king had said, oh yeah, you can have a little bit. It, it couldn't have seemed that great. It couldn't have seemed as much. And God speaks to them during Zachariah's time and says, who dares despise the day of small things. Since the seven eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, they will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. The idea that, yeah, you're going to rejoice because you're going to see God's power move, that this would ultimately be the temple where God would come in the form of his son, as Jesus Christ. He would come and he would minister among us. This is that temple. This is the place uh, that God would display his glory. You're despising something that seems small, it seems insignificant, it seems not as good. Brothers and sisters, be careful. I know that we can look back with nostalgia. I'm, I'm that guy. Oh man, back in the days when I was in college. Oh, back in the days when I was that missionary in New York. Oh, back in the days when I, we on this mission trip. Brothers and sisters, today is the day of the Lord. Today is the day to be thankful. Don't despise the struggle. Don't be frustrated at, well, I just can't wait until, yeah, I'm excited about what's to come too, but today God has something significant to do in our midst, in our lives. We reap expectantly. We reap expectantly daily. This year, those college ministries have come back we've seen the fruit. Um, There's the Towson group gathered here for their end-of-the-year party right here in this building, right? Uh, We've seen diversification. We've seen growth. We've seen new relationships in this congregation. It's happening. It's happening now. The fruitfulness of God that he wants to do in our lives is happening now. So what do we need to do? Well, one is we need to be bold we need to be bold. Uh, Romans chapter 1 just says this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then to the Gentile. At pickleball, in our prayer life, on Friday nights, at your workplace, amongst your friends and family, let's be bold and proclaim the good news of Jesus because it's good news. God loves the world. God wants to bring the Holy Spirit into life. God wants to bring transformation. I want to see it happen. Let's see it happen. Let's be bold. In Isaiah 37, God's speaking to Hezekiah, and he says, look, this year you will eat what grows by itself. In the second year, what springs from that? But in the third year, sow and reap. You will plant vineyards, and you will eat their fruit. And this verse in Isaiah has spoken a lot to me. You didn't hear it because I went too fast, and I didn't put it on the slides. But he said to Zechariah, in year one, you're going you're to see what just grows all by itself. They'd been, they'd been persecuted. They'd been held up in, in, in the walls. They'd been hiding from the Assyrians. And, and they didn't have time to plant or reap. And all of a sudden, it would just be what grew by itself. The next year, what grows from that, right? Seeds that naturally spread into other places. And then the third year, you're going to sow and you're going to plant. My friends, people at Valley, seen that prophecy come true among us. Haven't we? All of a sudden, some stuff just happened that we didn't plan, that we didn't structure. It just popped up. New people have come and joined us here. God has called and put... What's, we have seen fruit that has come from that, from new people bringing new people, from new people starting new things, from people helping the worship team grow. We have just seen that growth. But it says in year three, and guess what? We're entering year three. We're supposed to sow I think the challenge for us is to do just that. Let's go boldly, sowing broadly, waiting patiently, and reaping expectantly. Jesus did talk one more time about sowing seeds, and actually he talked many more times about sowing seeds. But one time with his disciples, right before he was going to be crucified, right before he would die for the sins of everyone, Jesus spoke about seeds and he said this John chapter 12 he says Jesus replied the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified very truly I tell you that unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies it remains only a single seed but if it dies it produces many seeds Jesus was prophesying about what he would go through that he would die for the sins of humanity that through him and his resurrection the kingdom of God would be born Today." We worship. Today, we celebrate. Today, we've talked a lot about where God has led us and what God is going to do and our expectations of the future. But we're here to worship the Savior. We're here to worship God. We never go beyond the gospel the good news that Jesus died for you, that he rose from the the dead. And if you are either listening online or maybe you're sitting right here and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you need to know that Christ gave his life for you. He rose again to pay for your sins and to give you eternal life. This is what we're all about. This is what the world desperately needs to hear and know and experience the new life in Christ. Today we celebrate. And today... We renew our commitment to Him. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about. It's about giving our lives to Jesus again. It's about saying, "Jesus, You've already saved me. You've given me this new birth, and I want to remember how costly my salvation is, so that I will remember to give You everything." Um, deacons are coming around. Dick is coming around. If you've got a, uh, if you didn't pick up one of our communion supplies, he's got one for you. you just slip up your hand and. Dick will be able to share with you. But for the rest of us, would you take time to prepare? Would you take time to remember what Christ has done for us? Would you take time to think about all that Jesus gave? night when Jesus was betrayed. He took bread and he said, this, uh, this bread is broken for you. Do this whenever you eat it in remembrance of me. Take and eat. scripture tells us that in the same way, after the supper, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. When you're ready, take and drink in remembrance of him. Apostle Paul says, so whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He's coming. Let's continue to proclaim. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your son. Thank you for the eternal life that he's given. Thank you for giving us this supper just to remember uh, the gift that he is. Lord, we give our lives back to you. Put us, arrange us, send us out. Lord, use us for your glory and let your kingdom come. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to invite the music team to come and they're going to lead us another song. It's a song of commitment. Uh, you may want to sing and sing uh, to the Lord. I, I just saying, Lord, I, I, I am trusting you for the future. Maybe during this decision time, you need to make a decision for Jesus, maybe to join this church that it's like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I want to be part of what's going on here. Maybe it's to make a decision to follow him as Savior and Lord of your life, or recommit yourself. You come, come to the front. Pastor Barrio and I will be here, Pastor David's here. If you need to talk with someone, we'll be happy to pray with you. You respond as God is calling you. Let's stand as we sing.